Hey everybody, this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. First of all, I want to give a shout out to our main sponsors, Rising Suns, the award-winning brewery in Cork. If you're down in Cork for the summertime, be sure to pop in for a beautiful pint. Now, I'm delighted to welcome Raven Light to the studio. I've got John, I've got Dean and Mike from the band. Thanks for joining me tonight, lads. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. Rebecca can't make it because apparently she's chained in the attic. Is that a song? <laughs> Yeah, in other much. words, she's got shit Wi-Fi. Is that, that's basically it, John. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. She doesn't get the <laughs> invite. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, you'll be missed, but I'm sure the lads will do you proud anyway. So, boys, what's the crack? Are you all good? You having much of a summer? Non-stop work all summer. I, I'm looking forward to like, September so I can finally get a break, you know. Really, yeah? <laughs> Full on, like myself, doing 72-hour yeah. weeks, man. It's not much fun. The idea oh. of a holiday in August is really appealing to me now. I'm nearly there of another week and a half, and then I'm I'm able to head off into the sunlight for well, sunlight. <laughs> I'm, I'm going <laughs> holidaying in Curry. Imagine that. It's like gonna be something like out of father fucking Ted, just stuck <laughs> in a caravan, just doing Irish dancing while it's pissing rain outside. <laughs> you just get a different view of the rain, you know? <laughs> yeah. And Mike, where are you from? I'm from Poland, but I uh live in Limerick right now. In That's Limerick? Yeah. Jesus Christ, that's class. Fair play to you, man. Home of metal, as they like to say these days. We can't argue with them, unfortunately. Ah, uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> it's home season, at least. When did you move there, Mike? Uh, about two years ago. Any enjoying it down there? Uh, that's careful, 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 <laughs> careful. Uh, You're spoiled for gigs. Anyway, do you go to much gigs down there? I do, I do go to a couple, yeah. I end up traveling the country quite a bit, so I'm up in Belfast quite often for rehearsals and things, and then oh, uh, yeah. you know get to see gigs in Dublin quite often as well. Yeah, it is. It's that bit closer, all right, Limerick. You know, you know, is, different yeah. story if you were in Cork or Kerry. John and Dean, are you Belfast? Are you? Whereabouts are you? Yeah, we're both based in Belfast. Okay, cool. So between the tr- the three of you, there, like you're. You, you're not doing too bad gig-wise, but it just it is really awkward of rehearsals, isn't it? Oh god, yeah. yeah. Mike's got a uh, many hour commitment every time we go to practice. <laughs> mm. And it, you're driving, Mike, I presume. Uh, no, no, I have to get the bus. Oh sweet Jesus Christ! <laughs> what yeah, a so fucking hero. <laughs> rehearsals are planned like months in advance. Oh man, and have you a kit? Tell me you have a kit up there, yeah? In Belfast, yeah. That, that is where my kid is. I don't have one in Limerick. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, and where, where do you rehearse, lads? There's a studio, but where, like, what part yeah. of it? Are... I have a rehearsal room in a place called Blackstaff Mill. Um, oh, yeah, so okay, I've heard of that before, yes. John, you're the oldest member of the band. Uh, maybe literally as well, I'm not sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yourself and Rebecca started it, yeah? Yeah, way back in about 2018. Okay. I met a previous band called Celine and it kind of split up. And I was recording, I was actually writing a bunch of demos for like different people at that time. Mm-hmm. Like a couple of songs of our first EP weren't actually meant to be for like one specific band. But um, I kind of just put a post on Facebook asking if any singers wanted to jump in and record some stuff. And Rebecca got back to me. That's right. like the first time I actually met Rebecca in person was when we were recording like the original demos for songs like Words Unspoken and Where the Stars Grow. Wow. So like the original EP was just myself and Rebecca. Like I did all the instruments and uh Rebecca singing on it. Then we right. kind of threw together 
a live band for like a gig to kind of promote the EP when it came out. So okay. uh, it was Cameron from Imperial Demonic on drums because he was a former dr- drummer of my old band. Oh, um, right, okay, yeah. Cameron Glass, then, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then Phil Horner from Conjuring Fate actually filled oh, in the bass nice for that show as well. So it was very much a temporary lineup for like one show. And then right. in 2019, we, you know, we got Mike on board because by my old band, whenever Cameron quit, Mike replaced Cameron. And then okay. in the new band, whenever uh, Cameron stopped filling in, Mike replaced Cameron. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. So that was like early 2019. And then that's been a revolving door of bass players until Dean. Uh, okay. <laughs> and which, you know, so Dean is the newest member of the band, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm very much the new guy, so I am. Did it give you any haze and Dean, no? No, they were, uh, they were all very considerate and polite, so they were. Mm. Okay. Maybe in hindsight, we should have. Apart from that. What's <laughs> that, Mike? Sorry? Maybe in hindsight, we should have. You should have. <laughs> <laughs> Too late and, now. And the scene itself, lads, Ravenlight, so he plays, would it be fair enough to say symphonic power metal would that be about right sounds fair yeah okay when you were initially starting it up john was that your aim to be that way in relation to that or had you maybe plans to go a different route and it just suited with rebecca's voice or just give us an idea it was kind of a mix of both because um kind of like my my main thing would be more pyro metal than symphonic metal Okay. And obviously, whenever you bring in like the operatic female vocals, you mm-hmm. bring in that more symphonic element quite naturally. Yeah. So, like, I think that the initial EP had quite a bit of like symphonic metal elements, like her vocal style and songs like Warden's Spoken were a lot more operatic. And then, like, as we wrote more songs for the first album, like all the songs as the writing progressed got less and less symphonic. And then her second album is like even less symphonic. <laughs> So, like, at this point, I, I generally would say power metal more than symphonic metal, but there's definitely okay. the symphonic elements there. And then right. just by the nature of having the female vocals, like, you know, uh, sometimes it's easier just to say symphonic so people know where you're coming from. Whereas yeah. if you say power metal, they might be like, oh, not symphonic metal. And it's just easier. No, just you're right. It. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And Mike, what influences were you bringing to the band? Like, when you heard them first... Um, is that your your kind of favorite type of music, or are you heavier or what? Um, I tend to go a bit lighter. Actually, my background is mostly in the prog rock and prog metal. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah. I grew up on a lot of things like um, I suppose I grew up on you know in a wave of new metal and that sort of stuff. But uh, mm. when I started drumming. I got into a lot of bands like say Porcupine Tree oh, and yeah. uh, Dream Theater, Pineapple Thief, those sort of guys. You know. Yeah. You kind of hear it actually in his drumming, wouldn't you, John? Yeah, it was definitely like a lot of elements like that, and like songs like Reflections. You know, like, well, I just send him a drum demo with like the most basic drum lines. He'll come back with something where you're going, "Yeah, I don't know what you're playing, <laughs> but it sounds good." <laughs> like, don't ask me to describe it, but it fits and it sounds good. So we'll roll with that. Yeah, some people sit on the fence with it in relation to program drums, and you know, then it, you get a drummer in. Was that much of an option for you, John, at the start? I know you, there was only two of you at the start. Um, did you play drums on that or did you program the drums? Oh, no, no, it was all programmed at first. That's why there's a big improvement between like the original demos and the actual album okay. recordings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's only so much you can do, really, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, especially when I don't play drums. It's just very <laughs> much the, the drums vaguely fit. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, 
a fantastic addition, Mike. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of your drumming, man. I'm glad to hear it. I, I'm, I'm glad that you like it. So yeah, it's really good. I'm glad now you said as well, porcupine tree and stuff like that, because there is I can hear it in it. And I was just wondering, were you actually into death metal or something like that? Because it's very technical. Yeah, it's a it's a tough line to try and walk because um, mm. a lot of the times, like in, in verses of any of the songs, I'm actually sort of forced to strip it back and play the most basic things. But, you know, when the song allows for it, I do like to stretch out a bit more. Yeah. And Dean, what about you? What what influences are you bringing into the band? I know you're only early days yet, but what kind of music are you coming uh, I'm a mixing pot. Um, I started out whenever I was 16 playing in indie pop rock bands. And then uh, my uncle, he gave me a copy of uh, Master of Puppets from his 17th birthday, his personal copy of Master of Puppets, and that got me into the heavy stuff. And uh, yeah, since then I got into a big band. Um, I played 80s style thrash for ages. Towards the end of that, it turned into more American metalcore sort of sound. So I'm a real melting pot, so I am. Yeah, and have you played in much bands before, Dean? Uh, yeah, a few, a few serious bands. The one I'm most known for would be a band up here called Donham Die. We we did quite well in Dublin, so did as well. Uh, okay. I left them maybe five, six years ago now. And nice. uh, John, he, he got in touch with me maybe a year or two ago, asked me if I wanted, wanted to come and hang out, try a few songs. And I went along for a while and at first, I, des- I decided it wasn't for me. I actually got in touch and said, look, I'm not sure I can do this. Yeah. But then, obviously, COVID kicked in, and uh, the band I was with at the minute, it was sort of circle in the drain. I thought, right, I've got, I've got to dig in. I've got to try this again. I've got to go for it. This is this is an opportunity here. Mm. And uh, yeah, got in touch, hanging out, and played my first show. And now I'm one of the crew, one of us. Yeah. <laughs> And John, would it be fair to say that you're involved in the majority of the writing at the moment? <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of, the way it tends to work a lot of the time is like, I'll bring like, sometimes a super rough demo to everybody. But it's it's one of those things where like, it's kind of a rough structure and then everyone, like, in some ways completely rewrite the song. Like, I'll write a vocal melody and Rebecca listens to it and go, yeah, absolutely not. Like, we have to rework this entire <laughs> thing. Or like I'll send like the guitar parts with like a drum track of mine. He'll send back so completely different. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm gonna go rewrite all the lyrics and rewrite yeah. the vibe of the song to fit this drum part because the drum part's too good to change. It's like, okay, okay. So it's like think... a rough like here's a blueprint, but everyone throw your influences in and see what comes out the other end. Yeah, that's good to hear, man. That um, you're open enough to take other people's ideas in because sometimes that's not often the case, you know. Yeah, it's like we had a song on the album there called Left Behind, and it's like one of the heavier, longer songs. But it's like Rebecca wrote all the lyrics for that and the melodies. Like we worked a little bit, you know, just kind of tweaking, and then like Mike wrote a lot of like the keyboard parts to it. And yeah. I think that's probably like he completely wrote the song The Maze on the last album too. Okay. Um, like that's that was Mike's child for the album. Um, yeah. But so like much. for Left Behind, he had these ideas for these keyboard parts to listen to it. Went, yeah, I mean that that's the keyboard part now, you know? Yeah. Uh, Okay, so what we'll do now is we'll play one song. I, I want to play two from me just to give people an idea of what we're talking about here. So this one is Mask of Red Death. Was this the second or third single, lads? I can't remember now. Or was it the first? I think it was the third. The third one. Okay. Yeah, and check out the video for it as well. It's excellent. And the video was made by was it some co- students in Belfast College or something is that right 
Yeah, well, a couple of students from Belfast made contact with us and said that we want to make a music video with them. So we worked with them on this one. Um, for free, so no fees. Yeah, well, we ended up doing the final edit for it because, like, it didn't like our release schedule. Like, we had we had the release schedule booked in, and like, they didn't have the edit ready in time. So I ended up going, guys, send me the footage. I'll edit the video. Fucking <laughs> students, huh? All <laughs> <laughs> well, the film and everything. Like, ah, that's so, brilliant. All the lighting that's and everything. Brilliant. So it's great. Yeah, yeah, check it out, people. Anyway, this is the audio version of Mask of Red Dead. Super song, lads. Did she play that at the siege? We yeah. don't think we did that at the opening song for the siege. Yeah, we opened with that at siege. That's a real crow pleaser, I'd imagine. People would really get on your side, but that's a great chorus as well. It's never the fun one. Our only regrets is how hard it is to play, and it's the first song of the night. So it's like, oh, we know we get through this track, we're good. <laughs> like, yeah, you need to stretch the rest of the yeah. It's a big opener, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. No beers there, lads, until half is through to set. Halfway through the first song. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Mike is on YouTube. And that's off your latest album. So that's uh, Immemorial. Yeah, yeah. What's the <laughs> idea behind the album title? I think okay, it was... Uh, yeah, I came up with the name. Um, we're kind doesn't of exactly idea. roll off the tongue easily anyway, straight away. <laughs> Yeah, it's to throw people off because you know, like he's paying attention when he called it immortal, because lots of people call it immortal. Uh, but I think it was a Brecca's idea after, like, you know, after we recorded a lot of the album, just listened to the lyrics and was like, you know, it's a lot of like looking back and everything, and then it goes comes from the phrase like time immemorial. Okay, all right, yeah, that's fair enough. And 
you know, I was listening. I was listening to both albums. So I, I listened to Immemorial and what was the one? Oh, Project Genesis. That's what I was listening to. Different bands, different bands, lads. And uh, <laughs> it's it's a big jump, I think. The sound is bigger. Everything is bigger. And, and the music as well, I think, is excellent as well in this one. But it was a good stepping stone for you. When you think back on it, lads, maybe just reflect back. That came out in 2020, wasn't it? Yeah, it was right at the start of COVID. We actually, uh, the label who was distributing it at the time, we we literally had to send it to them at the end of like March uh, 2020. And they were like, pick a release date. And we were like, we'll put it like the last weekend in June because this will definitely be done by then. We, and then we had, we had been talking to James, let's get an album launch show, but for July, smooth sealing album, sweet launch. Yeah. Yeah. And then 2022, we did our album launch show. Sick. <laughs> yes. I actually remember that. You were one of the few bands that were caught in that. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That was a tough one. All right. So you just had to fucking sit in it then, really. Yeah, it was it was an interesting experience, but then I think like like we kind of released that, and obviously with the first album, we know what the expectation is, but then like whenever we started actually gigging that album, like we did the first siege back after COVID, and then we like played with Crew again like a month later than that, and then suddenly it's like a lot of people listened to the album and feedback was like really good about it, and we're like, oh okay, so I think that kind of helped spur on you know the second album getting the push a little bit further because you're like oh okay well now there's an expectation here we need to like surpass that expectation this was the first one it's easier to kind of like pull yourself back a bit and go well yeah we'll put it out and hope people like it the second one like oh no they liked it we we have to make sure they like a second one too (laughs) we have to follow this up (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah definitely and the artwork, John, were you involved in the artwork for everything? Is that what you do? Yeah, 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 for, for everything, yeah. So, the artwork uh, is brilliant, man. Fair play to you. Unreal. Oh, and, and the new one as well. Fucking hell, it's class. Yeah, it's many hours of revision. And uh, yeah. I, I think, like, there's probably a folder on my computer of, like, 10 different pieces of album art that, you know, could have potentially been yeah. the album. And I think they like, were changing it until, like, you know, a few weeks before it was announced, we were going like, which which one of these will it be? And but, what were like, you using to form the art, John? Were you using was it some Apple program for drawing, or what do you use? Uh, it's it's a combination of stuff. So a lot yeah. of it's like kind of photo kit bashing with uh, you know take stock images, place them on top of each other, and then do drawovers yeah. for the second album. It's slightly controversial, but we actually like did a couple of AI generations to get an idea oh, for a layout and stuff. Oh. Fuck but sick. But Don't we use that as a template. Tell me, it's a template. No, okay. We use this as a template, and then it was like it was one of those things where, in retrospect, we're probably going to do it again because we did that much paint over to make it actually usable. Yeah. It was like it took probably more effort, like just as much effort as you know creating the Project Genesis artwork because you're like, well, this doesn't look good, so you're going in then with like the pencil and then having to like match everything and yeah. draw over, but like. As an idea generation, it was useful to a point. Okay. Yeah. 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 How do you feel about it in general, AI? Um, I'm, I'm kind of a mixed bag on it. Like, um, 
I feel like I've worked as a designer for years myself, so like I feel like I should be more against it than I am. But like, <laughs> I I have definitely seen an increase of album art coming out recently. Yeah. That's you're going like this is AI, and they did not do a paint over. They did not fix anything yes. up. Like these hands look terrible. The symmetry is terrible. I, I I can see it instantly and go, oh, but like for an idea generation, like I'm I'm not really against it. Like, yeah, some some people are against it full stop, but. I, I think, like, as a starting point for ideas, it's I don't see much difference in looking at that, like looking at Pinterest and things. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, Mike, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. Hmm. Yeah, we all love the common artist man and the imagination that they can bring, especially if you give him maybe all the songs and give him the background story to it, allow him the the breeding room to give you his his ideas back, you know, and you work with the artist and slowly it it comes to, to fruition. You know, I, I love all that side of it. But again, I can understand bands going into pin interest, as you said as well, John, and taking art there from people all over the world. Bands have certainly done that as well. But this whole AI is a different kettle of fish altogether, man. And, you know, it is worrying how far it's come so fast, and I just wondered, will it put a lot of artists out of work? And Yeah, the, the one more thing I had was the artist I was putting out in this case with myself, so I was kind of like, it's a meal. And then I ended up doing just as much work to make, like, make something usable out of the idea generated, so it was yes. like, yes. all right, well, <laughs> what was the point? <laughs> like, who did the... Uh production on on the latest album and the previous album it was myself and mike did the production on oh wow really yeah fair play to you. yeah it's uh, all diy <laughs> it was yeah a whole long story to be honest yeah what, what's that mike that was a very long story on how it turned out but there's a uh there's a lot that happened you know yeah. on, on the way to this. <laughs> um had you much problems with Immemorial, or was it what you learned from the previous album, Project Genesis, helped you fare better in relation to the overall sound of the album, do you think? So I think um, the stuff that we learned from uh, Project Genesis definitely helped us a lot. Um, the big issue that I had is that my equipment just kept breaking. You know, it's one of those things that I, whenever I, whenever we finished Project Genesis, you know, started working mm. and finally had the budget to actually upgrade all my gear. Um, and then during the recording of Memorial, it started out fantastic. Had some great sounds there. Um, some of them came through in the final mixes, but some of them were very much a patch job of just trying to get something usable out of it because, you know, one or two of my interfaces stopped working or there was a Windows update that broke something and, oh, and now I can't use the interface. Yeah. Stress. Well, I think then we also did like the EP in the middle too. We did intermission EP just to kind of like fill out the time during COVID when we couldn't gig. Yeah. We did a couple of cover songs, but then we also used that to kind of experiment with different production styles. And like, okay. I think that was like the first recordings we did with the upgraded gear. And we were like, all right, what's well, a bunch of covers? So, like, we did a ghost cover that was a little bit more like lo fi and gritty. And then we did, okay, you know, ghost. tried different production styles on the three different songs and then used that to kind of have our baseline, like, all right, these guitars okay. sounded good, these drums sounded good. Yes, yes, that's cool. I love your version of um, Blinding Lights. That's a fun one. <laughs> you have to play that live. Can you play that live? Yeah. We're, we're doing it at every show. Yeah, there you go. And <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. the reaction like? It's, it's, it's really funny because it depends on the age of the crowd. I uh, we, we did it for the first time live <laughs> when we were playing with Kriokin in Dublin. 
but we also put on like Kanye West style like slit glasses whenever we played it. And Keith comes up to us after and was like, I hated every fucking second of that. <laughs> but my daughters loved it. Oh, we were like, yeah, you're not the target demographic. <laughs> I love that. It's brilliant. <laughs> so like, you know, we played some gigs where like, you know, if, if it is an older crowd, some of them just don't know the song and they're like, we don't know what's happening right now. But the younger people in the crowd are going, yeah, that was yeah, fun. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I have a daughter of that age and that's one of our favorite songs. So I was just going, wow, respect, lads, fair play. And it's a great version. <laughs> Rebecca knocks it out of the park. Yeah, it's so fun to do live today. Yeah. Yeah. And Ghost. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, I, I presume you all love him, don't you? I think Rebecca might be the only fan. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, I personally to listen to Ghost. That's again what else does apart from Rebecca. Fair play. Oh, always Rebecca's play. choice, yeah. yeah. I think it's a still a good song. Like, you know, I think it's still a good song and I like what we did with it, but yeah, mm-hmm. they're not a band that I go out of my way to listen to. Yeah. And uh, Dean is shaking his head and slugging <laughs> some beer there for those that aren't watching. <laughs> Traumatized. Good man, Dean. <laughs> um, the idea then of doing a live album, how did that come about? Uh, that was, I think it was just a, a little fun thing because Mike uh, likes to record most of our shows and he had a pretty good recording from the thing. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't exactly like the best recording. So we were like, why don't we charge for it? We're just going to put it as a free fun download. Because yeah. especially whenever it was our album launch show, it was delayed so much. Yeah. Like a lot of the people buying our CDs, like our CDs are international and things. So it was just sort of, uh, hey, it's been a while. We haven't really been putting out new music because yeah. everything's been delayed. Yeah. Here's some decent quality live recordings. I think we called it like an official bootleg or something just to kind of set expectations, right? Um, but I mean, yeah, the feedback was, you know, people people enjoy this as a little fun giveaway oh, thing. Yeah, it's a cool idea. In relation to symphonic metal, like the audience for that, I, I like the way that you can play it to crew a coin because you definitely grab a lot of their crowd, you know, playing support to the likes of them. But in my opinion, would I be right in saying that the likes of symphonic power metal would be more European based? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Away from Ireland and England and more in towards Germany, that side of things, would it be? Or Finland? I'm not sure now. Yeah, big time. It's like whenever we were even doing the PR for the latest album, um, we were working with James Love and Destruction Project Records ah, on when we were chatting James, to him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, when I was chatting to him, like, you know, he was, we were talking about UK promoters, and I was going, oh, we need a German promoter. Yes. We need somebody in Germany to promote this album. And, like, okay. we hired a German guy to do it, and, like, he did a great job, get, like, uh, getting us, you know, lots of press across mainland Europe. And, like, I'd say most of our CD orders are going to, like, Germany, France, Italy, okay. countries like that. Yes, like, Italy as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like we were actually surprised like how many orders actually came from Ireland this time. Uh, I think like there is definitely an audience in Ireland for this kind of music, and but there's just not many bands here playing it. But like, whenever a band like like Nightwish or Delane or someone rolls into town, like it's the Academy sells out. You know, like mm. Nightwish. I I don't think they sold out the half the three arena, but you know it was a very big crowd. There's definitely an audience for this kind of music here. Theus. Were you Very at that? Did any of you go to that? Yeah, yeah, I went down to it. Yeah. How did it go? Like, uh, as you said, um, was three quarters full? Jesus, I'm surprised they played the three arena, actually. Well, it was half the three arena. <laughs> they, okay. They, yeah, they, they limited the size. It was, it, was, it was a good show, but they had no support band, which felt really, what? really? weird. Yeah, their supports didn't come over, so it was literally just like, 
you know, nine and a half Missed set. opportunity was, there for you, lads. Fuck it. Uh, we, we did send some emails, but, you know, too big for that. Yeah. Fair fly. So. Who got him in? Was it a DME show? Can you remember? No. Or was it Ticketmaster? MCD? I think it was MCD. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, like, that's a challenge, isn't it, really, for you to break into certain areas of Europe and also to build a base in Ireland. Um, I think you're you're well on the way to building a base in Ireland with the quality of, of the new release, lads, and that's to your credit. And playing the likes of The Siege will certainly do you no harm. And now that there's a gig coming up as well in the distant future, the 26th of August, Mandela Hall. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited for that one. Yeah, let's talk about that then. Um, so that's a grand declaration of war. So it's the crawling, strangle war, insidious void. Citizens, Domhain, and yourselves. Yeah, yeah. it's a I lovely it's thing to say that you actually played Mandela Hall. Not out fucking Andy Clark. If he's fucking not grey, he'll be grey after it. And anyway, with the stress of trying to organise that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think I found Andy and uh, James. It's like, you know, there's lots of excitement around it, but you know, that's for them to worry about. We're just there to enjoy it. You know, they, yeah. they could take the stress, but just take the fun. Yeah. So uh-huh. we'll just maybe talk about the atmosphere as well in relation to your music. I think you achieve a lot of it through the keyboards, John. That's kind of like the landscape that you set and then the music builds on that. Are any of you classically trained, first of all? I think Rebecca is probably the only person with any kind of classical training. I think she's okay. classical training in her vocals. Right, okay. I did a couple of gigs like with uh, some brass bands all around the country, like but, uh, back up around the north when I lived there. Yes. But that's about the extent of it. So would you agree in relation to the role that the keyboards play in your songs to, to build up atmosphere, John, or or have you other ideas for them? Yeah, um, it's it's one of those things where I think it depends on the track for us. Like we've got like songs like Springtime and Meth that are like super keyboard heavy. But I think because like none of us are really that kind of like classically thing, we do a lot of like, there's kind of a lot of allusion to the keyboards okay. where like, I've, I've got a thing about like a lot of symphonic metal where they, they try and go epic all the time and try to go full orchestra all the time. I listen yeah. to it, I'm like, this is so boring because it's so epic constantly and there's no break. <laughs> Whereas like we've got a song, it's like Wild Hunt, where like if someone listens to it, they're like, oh, they've got a load of orchestra. But if you're listening to the keyboard parts, it's every once in a while it's just like strings going dun dun dun, but there's nothing to the rest of the verse. It's like we yeah. just kind of come in with like big epic blasts of orchestra and go, cool, like that's that's yeah. enough for that section. Because yeah. a part of it too is like for the live show, we want to make sure that you know it isn't reliant because we do use a back and track live for the like orchestra and choir yeah. and things. I, so a lot I of it's written. Or... Siege, yeah, yeah. So a lot of it's to make sure like our live shows aren't totally dependent on that, but. Yeah, we do have other songs like Paper Ships and stuff that are like very keyboard driven to kind of set the mood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a, it's a whole load of mix of things. Like, uh, there's a lot of songs too that like some songs are more symphonic, and then there's lots of songs that like have like no orchestra, but it is very synth driven. Yeah. But I think I think at this point we kind of know what sounds like a Raven Light song, so we know that we can get away with. Okay. This song is going to be synth heavy and no orchestra in it, but no one's going to get to that track and go, man, they really changed their style between the last song and this song. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it all kind of like flows together, you know, sort of mm. when to kind of bring it back and when we can go a bit crazier in songs like Left Behind and Springtime Moment, where we do go that a little more yeah. crazy, orchestrated, cinematic type sound. Mm. And Mike, bringing Dean on board, so you have a really tight rhythm section now. You happy with it? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I definitely am. Yeah, definitely improvement. Yeah. <laughs> and what about yourself, Dean? Was what was your first gig with the lads? Uh, the first gig was the Grand Social of Clare Can uh, last year, I believe. But uh, yeah, Bapt- Baptism of Fire was a fantastic lineup. It was a really great show. Had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I've, I've had a blast so far. I'm really enjoying myself. And I said to John not long after I started, I'm enjoying the challenge, so I am. But, but before these guys, I was with an 80s rock band. It was just root no date. So it was, my bass playing went stale for ages, and then all of a sudden I'm having to learn two albums worth of uh, symphonic prog metal madness. And <laughs> I've really enjoyed the challenge. I've enjoyed pushing myself, so I have. Yeah. And are you a finger bass player, or do you use a plectrum? I use a plectrum uh, for a couple of tracks. It depends on the song. A lot of bass players get caught up on fingers, and if you play with a plectrum, you're going to hell. So you are. But yeah, for me, it's always been about whatever serves the song. Mm. Like sometimes I do go a wee bit out there. Sometimes if the song requires it, I rein it in a wee back and do just play the basic root root notes. Yeah, it's all about the song for me. Egos never come into it or anything like that. I don't want to show off or anything. I just want to do whatever serves the song, whatever works for the album. Yes, let's talk about. The video that I really thought was brilliant and it was shot by Wayne from the wrong kind of media. Big shout out to Wayne. He does some great videos, I must say. And Acid Age one now stands out as well. Was he an obvious choice for that song, Reflections? Who who was involved in choosing him? Yeah, he did the video for Words Spoken from our first album. And like okay. he also does like all our, he's our go-to guy because he does our blue shoots and everything too. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, so it's like sort of when it comes to like the band's branding and everything, he's like, you know, first point of contact. It's, it's we actually had an idea for a couple of other videos leading into it that never came to fruition. But like when I'm brainstorming the idea for the video, I'll drop a message and go, hey, I've got this idea. <laughs> what do you think? And it's like, you know, sometimes it's like, this is insane, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you have to admire Wayne because like he'll just tell you as it is. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he. I think we've got like the level now is we've got like a mutual trust between us <laughs> where uh you, you know we we said he've got an idea he, like I I work in kind of like film industry stuff so I'm I'm coming at him from hey I, I know I know how we can do this like like do you think we can do this because I think I know we can do this and he's usually like yeah yeah we can do this and I'm like <laughs> great let's go so like you know he's great for like if we've got ideas for locations and stuff like yeah yes we'll just run it past him before we book um things like that yeah, but like I always feel with a band like yourselves now and in the genre that you're in, there has to be a point when we talk, let's talk about um, gear that you wear, you know, to suit yeah. the image, right? So just some fucking naff stuff out there that you could look like a fucking sword fighter or some fucking shit, you know, <laughs> or or something like that. Where do you draw the line? Like, <laughs> Funnily enough, I was like this question before, because I do have a hard line that I have, and it's capes. Because, like, doing, like my old band was getting your Halloween, and someone was like, oh, I wear a cape on stage. And I was like, do not wear a fucking cape. Because as soon as you wear a cape on stage, I was like, as soon as you wear a cape on stage, wearing this type of music, people do not know if you're, like, ironically wearing a cape as a costume, or if you're legitimately wearing a cape because you just think it looks cool. <laughs> and I think that's that is the that is the line. <laughs> See, Mike, uh, Mike, yeah. you're not too bad there because you're behind the drums, so you can literally just fucking wear a, an old pair of leather pants and a t-shirt, and nobody will judge you. <laughs> no, no, um, I, I do have standards, though. I do have standards. <laughs> <laughs> um, with Ravenlight, it's a it's a black shirt, 
and you know uh doctrines that sort of thing yeah that'll do uh, dean are you under any pressure to conform man no for sure i actually feel like i'm being freed so um, i'm released from the shackles of everyday expectations <laughs> i get to unleash the real me with my stage gear so I do a big trench coat class well for it class this is the real me okay i'm going to play a second song this is reflections actually do check out the video and a uh, big shout out to wayne for um for recording it and uh did a great job who was the actress in it was it that's a friend of Rebecca's, Molly. And the okay. funny story is, uh, there's a scene in the music video where she walks into the ocean. Oh but yeah, we I just kind of yeah. told, yeah, we told her to do that as a joke, and then she started to do it. But <laughs> William wasn't filming, so we had to shout to William like, "Run the tape, run the tape!" Because <laughs> like the few seconds before she walks in the ocean, she's just like, "Right, I'm gonna do it." And we were like, "Oh, was she taking serious?" Okay. Oh, we had, and we had to just had like set up the camera and run after her and get the shot because <laughs> we couldn't ask her to do it twice. It was raining so heavily that they were doing that video. Yeah, and it was, and it's a key scene in it as well. It, fucking yeah, it was completely like we didn't think she was going to do it. Since you did, so we had to make it like the key <laughs> shot. Uh, yeah. Respect, Molly. Fair play to you. Okay, so this is reflections. We'll give it a spin. Excellent stuff, lads. Let's just talk about merch. What have you on offer for the punter that's out there that are interested in the band? What can he expect to get off you or she? I think at this point, CDs and T-shirts, some badges. We we got the battle patches too, because they seem to be a big thing. Some people are really into. They are. Yeah. Um, but uh, Reggie unfortunately had a thing with like our original album, where our original label uh, destroyed all our stock of physical CDs. So the only yeah so they we had a licensing deal for it and okay. there were hundreds of copies of the album and we were contacting them like earlier this year saying where's all the money you owe us 
and they were like, oh yeah, no, we cancelled our contract as a distributor and like all the stock of your physical CDs we had, they asked us what we wanted to do, but we never got back to them in time, so they all got destroyed. So Fuck. I never we heard actually that only before. like Yeah, we actually only like sixty copies left of our original album in print. So we don't know. I mean, I was that Project so, Genesis, John? Was Project it? Genesis, yeah, yeah. Jesus. So that's a good advert, like very limited edition, <laughs> unintentionally. Fuck's sake, man, that's a disaster. I'm shocked that can even happen at this day and age, you know, with all the fucking communication we have out there. We were kind of wondering why it's out of stock on Amazon, do I physically? And I emailed them asking, is this out of stock because we sold out or is this out of stock for other reasons? And they said, oh, it's out of stock because we cancelled our contract and got all your albums destroyed. And I was like, great, cool. <laughs> Wait, why didn't you tell us a year ago when this happened? So, yeah, that's now unexpectedly a collector's item. Uh, yeah. And you're with James now, isn't it? With the Starship Project. Is he distributing for you as well? Yeah, yeah. He, he's released, he released uh, a memorial with him. Okay. Yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah. You got T-shirts and CDs at the moment. Yeah. And nothing else as such. So that's what will be on sale for the punters that are going to the Mandela Hall gig, yeah? Yeah, yeah, we, we got a couple of like, we have like logo tees and then we actually got like full color album shirts done for once because they're, it's one of those ones where like, we kind of underestimate how much demand there is for things like this. So, you know, we released the, we were kind of going, do we get full color album tees? And then we realized, yeah, done not to, so we did. And then it's, we had to get a reprint off them done within three weeks. That's <laughs> brilliant news, them. Man. So it was like, all right, Excellent. great, okay. Good to hear that. So, yeah, uh, who did you go with printing-wise, John? Was it Pins and Knuckles or was it somewhere local? It was Pins and Knuckles, yeah. yeah. I feel like that's probably the most common answer you get here. <laughs> yeah, and that's perfectly fair because, I mean, they're yeah. they're just a quality product, really, isn't it? Yeah, so handy to work with. Yeah. Okay, so we'll wind it down. What we have is the 26th of August, Mandela Hall gig, the Grand Declaration of War. Is there anything else gigs that are coming up? Or yeah, we'll be joining Crucan again in October, the 7th of October in the Grand Social. Okay, very uh, good. They've invited us back again. And I think that's all we've got announced so far. Okay. There might be more coming, but... Would you say I, you're actively looking for gigs around the country or UK even? Yeah, we, we were meant to do a UK tour this year and uh, it ended up getting cancelled quite last minute, but well, that's a, another story. Um, but yeah, we're trying to get more gigs around Ireland, like we're actually looking for like the Cork area and like Galway, places we haven't necessarily been. Right. We had a couple of offers come through for the summer for like various shows across Ireland that weren't didn't quite work out because like okay. obviously with Mike being in Limerick we uh we have to kind of time our gigs to make sure they don't like clash or take away with other ones because it's such a you know big commitment for the practice and yes travel to, to Belfast mm -hmm. and then travel yeah that's often the case lads it's unfortunate but I mean I'm sure if there was a good offer came in somewhere you definitely Definitely mm. jump at it anyway. Look, it's an album that deserves to be heard. It's I was lucky enough to catch the last 10 or 15 minutes to be in the siege and it was fantastic. And and the, the crowd were really into it. And, you know, I think he won a lot of people over that day, the neutral, certainly. And there's that to consider, Dean. Isn't it always when you're playing in front of a big crowd like that, you have to kind of really hope that you will convert the few that are fence sitters, as I call them. Yeah, 
for sure. Uh, Siege was a real special show for me. I mean, the, the guys had played it before uh, before on the smaller stages, and then I get to walk in and I get to walk on the, the warehouse stage with them, the big yeah. stage. They put the work in and they enjoy the big crowds. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a really special show for me. So it was. And had, had a really great time. I, I love playing down over the border. So it's every time. Every time we go down, we're, we're just made to feel like heroes. So we are to, we're, we're made to feel like family. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's great, lads. And I, I'd love to see you down this side of the woods before the year is out, please, God. Oh, look, down the core. Yeah. I think one of the fun things, like when you're coming out of seat or something like that, is hearing people going, I don't really like symphonic metal, but yes. I enjoy yeah. those guys. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we're kind of writing the albums to that. Like we got reviews from people here, are kind of going, I mean, like they're they're more straightforward than normal symphonic metal, but I'm kind of into that, you know. Yeah. So I think you know we do cater to the people who might hear symphonic metal and expect that swords and dragon stuff, but it's you know that's yeah. not what we're doing. So no, and you know what, you're playing it fucking really well. You've got a great line up there, um, and then you know you'll you only go up from strength to strength, lads, in my opinion. And listen, give a big shout out to Rebecca. Unfortunately, she couldn't join us tonight. Next time I'd like to see on the show again, maybe in a year or two's time and promoting another album. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you've been listening to Raven Knight. You've been listening to John, Dean and Mike. Thanks for joining me on the show, lads. Thanks for having us, Richard. Yeah, and check out their latest album. It was released in January to 27th. Actually, Jesus, I didn't realize it was that long ago so check out Immemorial it's on the lads Bandcamp page and you know head over there and make purchase or buy a t-shirt or something give them some support and as I said lads hopefully we'll see you in 2023 somewhere down my side of the country in Cork or Limerick anyway okay see you there Richie yeah and support your local medicine thanks lads